This episode of The Taylor Stevens Show is brought to you by listeners, readers, and patrons. If you'd like to learn how to support this podcast, please visit www.patreon.com slash taylorstevens. best-selling and award-winning author of kick-ass international thrillers and this is the taylor stevens show with my good friend steve campbell where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time and taylor we're back at the farm so we have more farm stories but there's some there's one of your animals that's terrifying you <laughs> okay it's a goose it's a goose so <laughs> um we have it, the, all, all throughout internet lore, geese are like these terrifying animals, right? Like that's a meme. Wherever you go is like geese are just these badass monsters, right? And I've never been afraid of my geese because, you know, well, I've, I've had all of them since they were babies and, you know, I'm around them all the time and I'm, I'm not, I'm not scared of them. I know how to handle them. No biggie, but it's, it's nesting season. and when nesting season happens then the geese get very territorial and they can be aggressive so i started out with chinese geese and they're supposed to be one of the more aggressive loud you know just in your face domestic breeds of geese which is different from the wild geese told not i mean same ancestors different temperaments and everything right so we're only talking about domestic geese here and so the Chinese geese are considered some of the more aggressive ones. And I've never had any issue with my Chinese geese. Uh, I will go, I can go reach my hand into a nest with one of those geese sitting on it. And she might be irritated and angry and maybe try to nip me, but she's never come at me, you know, mouth open, toothy tongue flailing, like I'm going to eat your face, right? I just, I've gotten so used to being able to do whatever I want around these geese that it's never crossed my mind. Hey, these are big birds with really scratchy, scratchy, powerful feet. <laughs> so right now, okay. So the other type of goose that I have is an American buff. They're American buff geese. These are the ones that are my true loves. But Frances, who was my first goose and was the pet goose for the longest time, she's a Chinese goose. So I can't get rid of my Chinese geese because then Frances won't have any friends. So Frances, Frances is my baby. So, um, so I've got the two now, the, the Chinese geese and the buff geese. And really, I should have them separate so that I could have Chinese babies and buff geese, geese babies. But I just, there's too much going on in my life. My brain is too broken. I don't have the mental energy to deal with it. So they're all just this one wild flock that partner swaps like crazy and i'm like hey that's not you guys are supposed to be like paired up and monogamous what's with all this polyamory going on but anyway there's a lot of mixing matching going on in my flock and every other week it's like well why are you with so-and-so now okay anyway <laughs> there's two nesting areas in the back of the house where francis originally used to lay she still comes back there. She finds a way to get in under the fence and some of the other Chinese geese too. So eggs started showing up over there. I'm like, okay, okay, fine. And then I like, I know these buff geese are laying somewhere. I don't know where. And I finally found their nest like at the front of the house in this little tiny corner that is just sort of 
protected from the wind, but not from the water, which is sad when it rains. But anyway, it's really easy for me to just go sneaking around the corner to grab whatever eggs are in there and take them because I want to hatch them and make sure that the rats and the snakes and the mice and whatever don't get them. So I go out there. It's 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 dark, but I've got porch lights on and everything. And I go out there and I'm just minding my own business. And I round the corner and I'm already getting low to be able to just reach down and get whatever the latest egg is. And there's a goose sitting on that nest and she is not having it. And she's just wings out, face forward, mouth open, little teethy tongue beak. just, And I'm like, whoa, back off. And I'm like, that goose just scared me. And I realized there weren't enough goose eggs in the world to make me want to go and try and stick my hand in that goose. She's going to take my (laughs) hand off. And I went, you're supposed to be the gentle one because the buff geese are supposed to be really docile and non-aggressive. So it's the exact opposite of how it's supposed to be. And I'm like, huh, well, you can have that egg. I'll come back tomorrow. Good night. And off I went to my business. So yes, I finally got scared half to death by a goose. Um, and I have, but I have lots of goose eggs in the incubator and the first of them are hatching as we speak. And so oh. that'll be a lot of work slash fun. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if any of them are not mutts. <laughs> so I have no idea. Like normally when I set eggs in the incubator, I kind of have an idea of what's I'm going to get from that. And this is just going to be like every single one is going to be like a Christmas present. No idea what's inside until it pops out. (laughs) So, yeah. Fun times. All right. So we have more Q&A this week. And we're going to start out with what looks like an interesting question. Have you started any new projects recently uh, where you could speak afresh on beginning and processing story ideas and threads? So this question was from Liv, who was so kind to pop it into the Facebook group in answer to my question. We talked about it on last week's episode, how it was just like, ah, I don't have anything to do with, you know, with the, don't know what to do for this, this week's episode. And so this came from Liv in response to that. And we didn't get a chance to give it the proper time and attention last week. So we're starting with it this week. And so she's asking about my, you know, do I have new projects? you know, and I am like, this is such a fun question and such a difficult one to answer because I have plenty of ideas. I've got had a couple ideas that are, if I dare say so myself, rather brilliant. And I'm actually dying to work on them, but I can't. Uh, I can't for a couple of reasons. And the first is that I already have too many things that I've started and I have to finish something before I start anything new. I just, I have to. So I can't say that I can speak to any new projects that I've actually started because I can't allow myself to start them. And that's because playing with the ideas, that's the fun part. Like I'm always crazy excited about a new project. I can see the best parts in my head and I can feel the emotions and the tension. I I know just where those highlight points are going to be in the story, but actually executing those ideas, 
and making them show up on the page the way I see them in my head, that is a whole other thing. Like that's the torturous part of it. Like the ideas are the fun part. It takes so much discipline to get through that suck. The the part between the excitement and and then having to the part that follows the excitement where you actually start it and then having to carry it all the way through that's just pure suck from beginning to end so if i allowed myself to start new projects i would just be perpetually stuck in this cycle of excitement and then abandon it because i'd get all excited and i'd feel it and then i'd start working on it and i'd get frustrated and depressed and then i'd drop it and then i'd start something new because it felt exciting and so i just can't but I can tell you what goes on inside my head when those new ideas pop up, because that at least gives you a sense of how I begin processing those story ideas and threads, even if I don't actually have a chance to begin working on them. So it usually starts where a specific character in a specific situation just sort of pops into my head. So it's not like I'm thinking, oh, that would be a really cool character or, oh, that would be a really cool scenario. It's not like that. It's more like a fully formed sort of flash image scenario with the character and the thing happening all at the same time. And it gets me thinking like, well, what kind of character would end up in a place like that? And who are they? And what would have led them to that? And then, well, what would be the outcome of that scenario? And then, well, what, where would it go next? And well, what would have led up to so that that scenario ever happened in the first place? And so it's like the character and the plot ideas both sort of unfold outward from that center. And that center might be the end of the story. It might be the middle. It might even be the beginning. But it's just the place where the ideas sprouted. And then from there, the what ifs, they keep coming. And it's not linear. It's not chronological. It's more like how planets sit in space. Like in space, there's no up, there's no down, there's no right, there's no left. It's just where you are. And from where you are, everything is outward, all directions all out, right? So that's like the starting point. And from wherever that idea was, where that that scenario, right? From there, everything just unfolds outward. And it just keeps expanding. And then the more I think about it, the more the ideas begin to link together. And I start thinking, well, if if that person ended up in that scenario this way then this other thing would have had to happen because without that, then that scenario wouldn't have made any sense. And it just, it just keeps building. And and it's like, at that point, it's like a bunch of blocks, put, put this block in, pull it out, put this other block in. Oh yeah, that fits. Now let's put this other one on top. Of it. And it just kind of keeps growing from that center. So if I'm like really considering the story like i realize this is something that i want to invest my time in then that usually is going to start happening when i'm like maybe about halfway through the book that i'm writing right now i'm already starting to build and develop what comes next cuz especially if i'm doing a series right which is what i've done twice um then it's going to flow, for, the ideas are going to flow from what's already in existence in that world, unless it's the first book in the series. So it the, the ideas are going to start picking up when I'm already in the process of writing the book that I'm in. And if it's a continuation of the series that I'm writing right, right there, 
then I may even start already incorporating some of those ideas into the current story as a potential setup for what comes next, but it'll be really subtle and it'll be more like foreshadowing, but I'm already thinking about it in such a way that I'm not closing off any avenues in this current book that might shut off the ideas that are coming down the, down the pipe. And so if it's a story that I'm considering writing, then it just keeps going from there, that that center growing outwards, more building blocks, what ifs, how, whatever. And it's always character and plot side by side, together, together, together. And it keeps growing hand in hand. And it's it's just the skeletal structure. It's not all the fine, the fine details or anything, but I am starting to get scenes and I'm starting to feel emotions and all the the critical parts of what's going to make the story turn. But if the idea is one that I realize I'm not going to be able to write, either because it's not connected to the series or it's just not right for whatever comes next, then I kind of have to shove it off to the side and and just let it go. Like I had my excitement. I had a chance to sort of have my little movies and my little, uh, my own fan fiction, <laughs> writing my own fan fiction in my head. And and I figure that if the idea is good enough, then it's going to keep bothering me. And eventually it's going to force me to write it at some point. And I figure that if it doesn't keep coming back, then it probably wasn't the right idea anyway, because I can only write so much and I can only focus my attention in so many directions. And so I have to be guarded about where that that time and attention goes. I have two of them right now that aren't even related to either of the series that I've been writing. And and one of them has been pestering me for years. And it's not the book that I wrote and didn't end up publishing. That one still I got to get back to as well. So these are two more like fully just like will not leave me alone ideas. And like one of them has been with me for at least six years, will not leave me alone. And, and eventually I'm going to figure out how to make it work because there are pieces of it that I'm like, until that piece gets put in there, I can't keep building outward from the center. And I don't know what that piece is, but I don't have the mental bandwidth to deal with it right now. So it just sits there in the other, comes back every once in a while and pokes me and says, hey, remember me? And then there's another one that's more recent and it's so different than anything I've ever written before, but it's light and fun and it would be hilarious. And I don't even know if I have the wit necessary to pull it off, but if I could, oh my God, I would enjoy writing that story so much because it would be just, it would just be fun. Like I could do whatever I wanted with it and and not have to worry because it's not attached to anything else. I don't care. I would be writing it for me because I think it's hilarious and I would enjoy it so much. And if it sticks around and keeps pestering me, then maybe eventually I'll get to it too. So if not, then I had fun thinking about it. And I'm sorry to the rest of you. You'll never <laughs> get to know what it was about. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of how things, how it starts for me. And I don't start them beyond that unless I really, unless I am capable of devoting a year of my life to seeing it all the way through. Now, I'm, the next question is kind of a follow-up to that question. It, it's not from Liv, but it it you said in the beginning that you have a hard time 
once you start something, you you can't you have to finish it. Well, I do, but also it's torture to finish it. I would much rather just be able to like, oh, I'll work on what I'm excited about or whatever. And then when I get bored or it gets tedious, just stop and switch. But it's impossible to make a living that way or ever finish a book. So I have to finish it. It's not like I want to. (laughs) All right. So next question. Is it wrong to set aside a writing project that you've invested considerable time in simply because you're not feeling it anymore? Hmm. Oh, as with everything. I think the answer for you is it would be wrong for you. It would be wrong for me only because that, like, this is not a hobby. I have to write to be able to pay the bills, which clearly I'm sucking at right now. Um, but when I do write, it it has to serve a purpose. And that purpose is I have to finish it to be able to do something with it, even if it's just to give it to my patrons who've been supporting this show and supporting me. Like, I have to deliver something. I'm not just writing for my own joy and entertainment. This is this is a job or it should be anyway. So I have to, if I've invested time in a project, I have to find a way to do something with it. So right now I have two unfinished stories, not counting the two ideas that are pestering me, but I have two partially written stories sitting on my hard drive. One of them that uh, I finished and couldn't sell. And I refuse to let it go. The story is too good. It's just, I kind of screwed up in, in telling it. I didn't tell it in a way that it was compelling enough for a publisher to go, oh yeah, I'm going to take this. And and in the meantime, I've had a lot of time to think about it. And I, I do believe I have figured out how to fix it. And I will probably rewrite it yet again at some future point in time. But before <laughs> I do that, I have to finish the Monroe story I'm working on. I have to finish the other book that is partially finished. And eventually I'm going to have to write a third Jack and Jill story. I just don't know what that story is going to be yet, but I I, I need to finish their story. So once I have started something, I will set it aside. Clearly I've done that now multiple times, but I'm not going to ignore it and pretend that it never happened. It's always going to eat at me and make me feel like I need to come back to it and I need to finish it and I need to at least do something with it because I've put too much time and energy into it to just squander that. However, the caveat to that is in each of these instances, I'm not dealing with stories that don't work. All of these stories work. There's just parts of them that need to be fixed. If I had a story that I worked on that I could not figure out how to salvage and I hope that never happens. But if it did happen, I suppose it would become a case of stop throwing good time after bad and just know when you've been beaten. And th- there may eventually come a time where I do invest a serious amount of time in a work and then have to just stop and go, no, this was wrong and I cannot figure out how to salvage it. And I'm not going to waste any more time trying to figure this out. So that's done. I would hope that if that happened, it happened in the drafting stage and, and in the outlining stage, not when I'm three quarters of the way through the book. Oh my God, what a nightmare. Um, but for someone whose writing is a hobby 
or writing for the joy of it and doesn't isn't dependent on that as a way to pay bills oh my god if you've lost interest in it why torture yourself if you're if you're if you're just doing it for the love of it and you just aren't feeling it anymore by all means set it aside i wouldn't say delete it but put it aside you might rediscover it you know a few years down the road and and think well wonder why you set it aside because you're like really impressed with it and go this is good and then you decide to pick it back up again the the caution i would put is with the you're not feeling it anymore part because that's where discipline comes into the picture you you have to be able to recognize the difference between this story isn't working or and i don't feel like doing the hard work because writing as much as i mean obviously anybody who's listening to this show right now has a sort of inner compulsion to be able to to write to tell stories the, why else would we do it because it's not always fun and it's hard it's you know it, to be able to do it for a living is a privilege but that doesn't mean that it's all fun and games it's still hard work it's just brain work not physical breaking rocks work and so there's this sort of compulsion that drives us to do this to tell stories to to create these fictional words and that that is what gets you going but it's not enough to keep you going when you fall into the suck and there is a lot of suck that goes into the process of finalizing a story of carrying it all the way through so is it wrong to set aside a writing project you've invested considerable time in simply because you're not feeling it anymore maybe because not feeling it anymore is not really the right reason to stop a good project. Like if your story has bones and it is you you you've done the hard work on it, there's it doesn't matter who you are or or how good the story is, there's always going to come a time when you're not feeling it anymore because it's hard and it sucks. And it's usually in the middle when you're trying to pull together, you know, 70 to 100,000 words and make them coherent. And you're, you're, you've got so many moving parts, you know, you've got your characters, you've got your plot, you've got your conflict, you've got the, the sub, the minor characters, you've got you know, the things that are are plot holes and you know they're there and you're trying to make them not plot holes anymore. And you've got your contrivances that you're trying to make sure aren't contrived and all the, you know, research that's only half-assed and you're like, okay, I hope this is going to work. And then you've got your, you know, your struggle with the craft and wording things the way that it should be worded. Your dialogue's not quite the way that it should be. It's going to suck and you're not going to feel like doing it. So you don't just throw away a whole project because you don't feel it anymore. But if the reason you're not feeling it anymore is because you realize the story doesn't have the bones that you thought that it did, and it's not as strong as you thought that it was, and these characters are really not characters that anyone would enjoy spending time around, well, then yes, that's different. And in that case, you consider the, the time investment as a learning experience. You were growing your craft, and it's fine to set it aside. And maybe eventually at some point, You'll be like, oh, I know exactly what was wrong. And that was really not difficult to fix. I'm going to go back and fix that. And you'd be right into it again. 
Or maybe you look at it and you go, oh, this is a whole lot worse than I ever thought it was. I'm glad I quit. In which case, it serves as education. So as with so much else in this journey, this experience, it depends. Just make sure your head is right before you make that decision is all. All right. Last question for this episode. And I love this question. What do you do when no one in your circle cares enough to read what you've written? <laughs> so um, this one, Steve and I were talking about uh, a bit ago. And um, I was like, oh, my God, that reminds me of a verse in the Bible. Because, you know, if you've listened to this show long enough, you know that I was born and raised in a cult. And you know that. And I'm not saying if you know the Bible that you were born and raised in a cult, just in my case. Scripture memorization was a huge part of my upbringing. I know so much of what the Bible says. And nowadays, a lot of that comes back irreverently. Like the words are there, <laughs> but not necessarily uh, the scenario isn't exactly as intended. And when Steve, we were talking about this question, I said, oh, my God, there's a verse in the Bible for that. And I grew up with King James Version, so that's how every I relate to everything. And I had to go hunt down, get the wording correct. But it's, a prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. And that's exactly what it's like being a writer. <laughs> not that you're not that you're a prophet, but it's been my experience that no one is ever as surprised that I I can actually tell a tale in words coherently as people who know me. There is just this familiarity there of they know you and you're you. So how good could you actually be at what you do? And and then they're shocked when they find out that, oh, oh, your book was actually on the New York Times bestseller list. Well, yeah. And I've written more than one. Um, and it, it's just shocking to them because they know me. And I and, and I'm just a I'm just a person. So how could what I do be very good? So that's what we all experience. I just happen to have more books and some titles now that I can throw in people's faces when they do that to me. <laughs> but but for most of us, you're if you have someone in your life, whether it's a spouse or a parent or siblings or really good friends who take your work seriously and, and care to read what you've written and offer you constructive feedback, you are very, very, very fortunate because it is not as common as you might think. So what do you do when no one in your circle cares enough to read what you've written? You suck it up and you just keep <laughs> writing. And then you find friends and you find people who are also into reading and maybe people who don't know you. So they're willing to give what you've written a try because it's not coming with preconceived ideas of, you know, well, you're not that great of a cook and you forget to take out the garbage and you haven't fed the dog as frequently as you should have. So surely your writing's not that great. They don't carry that kind of baggage. They can just see you fresh. They can see your writing fresh. Go find those people because a prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, flashback to the uh, the informationist when there were Bible verses everywhere. Uh, yeah. That is it for this week's show. <laughs> so. 
thanks for thank being you guys. here, guys. Yeah, thank you guys for being here. Taylor, thank you for the uh, for the answers, and we will be back with you again next week. And also, please send us questions, because if you don't, and if you don't send material in, and I don't know what it is you need help with, we're just going to keep doing more shows like this until we run out. So, uh, more please, and we'll see you next week.